welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Thank you very much, big boys in the sky. We're back here on the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, uh, Barton, the the timing sometimes of our shows is perfect, and sometimes we we get we, we get a, a breaking news story that that misses the deadline. And since we're not, you know, this isn't the regular season. We're not coming at you every single day or or almost every single day. You know, we we're all of a sudden coming back, and 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 man, we we got great reactions. By the way, thank you for all of the the listens, the downloads, and the comments on our, our coach rankings breakdown. And those coach rankings are still up at cbsports.com. Um, maybe a little bit later, it'll or it'll come up the, the some of the reactions that we've had. But Barton, your guy, your guy, has been the biggest headline in college football for the last week. Joe Burrow, Joey B. <clears throat> That's been that's been my my man. I've been hyping him for uh, two years. Forever. Really, yeah. What a year and a half. Year two, and a half. What is it? Yeah, yeah. About that. Uh, as you know, the backup. Everyone should know the future grad transfer, the future starting quarterback for somebody. Just maybe not Ohio State. And here, here we are. The moment has come. We get to find out where Joe Burrow gets to play college football finally. So the the fact that he was released for his transfer. Um, not entirely surprising, as we discussed here on the podcast. That was a lot of the the calculus and the equation where Joe Burrow, his family, and his camp probably presented something to Urban Meyer along the way of if because I'm going to earn my degree because I could be immediately eligible with two years of eligibility left. It, anything short of Joe, you're the starter, probably means he's going to leave. And Ohio State with Dwayne Haskins there with Tate Martell showing at least the ability to be a, a competent sub package or an offensive threat as a backup. Urban Meyer basically in a decision that uh, I think that, you know, a, the college football fans and the college football community in general said you you probably did right, did right by Joe Burrow. I, I don't like to give out um, a lot of uh, compliments or high grades for doing your job or, or treating a student athlete with the respect that uh, is often is often missed. But it it felt in this situation, and especially because we haven't had a lot of really dramatic, uh, you know, Joe Burrow's being blocked from this place, being blocked from that place. This this felt like about as amicable of a of a decision as we've had in terms of high profile transfers in college football recently. Yeah, you know, I, I always applaud honesty and i i was i was pleased with sort of the honesty across the board in this one i i think urban meyer i don't know that urban meyer ever said hey dwayne haskins is our starter man uh i gotta i gotta let you know now i just think urban meyer said as i understand it look we, we can't give you that answer right now joe it's 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 a close it's a close battle we're gonna let this extend into the fall and joe burrow you know correctly i think said Thanks, coach. But you know what? I need an answer. Um, I've I've been here for uh, what three years now, and yep. I, you know I'm good enough to play somewhere. If you can't give me an answer, I respect it. I love Ohio State, but um, I'm going to go ahead and 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 uh, you know play my hand somewhere else. And so <clears throat> that's look, that's fair. That's 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 business. That's college football. That's the way it has to happen sometimes. And so. Yeah, like I'm, I, I think that this is the right move for Joe Burrow, um, and and it's I think it's going to be fun to watch him play somewhere else. I think he's going to really help another football team. You know, one one thing I thought was interesting that's sort of relevant to this. Um, I had a my my high school quarterback was a guy named Ingle Martin, who played. He was a elite eleven quarterback in high school. He uh, was recruited by you know a sort of a who's who. He, he committed to Florida. Steve Spurrier was his coach. And he walked in, and, and one year in, I guess, uh, they was when Spurrier left, and I guess it was Ron Zook was the new coach. Yep. Right? He, uh-huh. and, and then and they brought in Chris Leak. And Chris Leak, you know, was Zook's guy. 
And so Ingle was was Spurrier's guy, and and he he ended up like losing that job, but never really had the a great opportunity at it. Like it wasn't really a fair shake. He transfers to Furman, plays one or two years at Furman, plays in a you know FCS championship or something, gets gets uh, drafted in the NFL, plays a couple years, whatever. But what I nice. when I talked to him, but when I talked to him, like one thing he said. Recently, just sort of coincidentally, he was like, "You know what? I, what I tell people is like, go somewhere you can play. Like, forget it. Like, we we're in this game. We 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 do this because playing's fun. Like, you always hear these tough guys be like, oh, go and compete. You know, go to the best school and compete. Like, if you're a if you're a quarterback, like you want to play the game. And and it sounds great to be at an Ohio State and keep on you know repping your state and all that stuff. But man." Like you only get so many opportunities to play the game of football, and uh, I think Joe Burrow is is you know making the the obvious and, and only decision here: go somewhere and play. And it doesn't matter where it is; it doesn't matter how, how what the prestige level is. Go somewhere and play. And uh, so I think it's it's uh, you know when you hear it from that perspective, I, it, it sort of was resonated with me. Like, man, yeah, of course. Like, so I don't care if it's FCS or Group of Five. Like find somewhere where you can get on the dang field and throw the football, which is what you've been doing since you were eight years old. That is a very good story. Um, did uh, did didn't you go to NBA? Yep. It's yep. M- NBA to the NFL. Like that's pretty impressive, right? Yeah, or- I mean, uh, we the my my senior year, um, we had. Well, about three, what three guys that at least had a kind of a cup of coffee, or at least got you know got in camps. Yeah, no, uh, that's so it's, that's that's it's, still it's happened. It's happened here and there. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Um, and uh, number two, I'm definitely gonna clip that your go somewhere and compete because that's gonna be a sound bite or a jingle for later on <laughs> because that's that was that was a real good tough guy voice. That was a tough guy voice <laughs> that needs to be able to see the light of day again, for sure. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of compete cowboys out there that just love to sit on their couch and yell at yell at these kids to oh, be a competitor. Oh, all right, man. <laughs> how'd, that, how'd that go for you in high school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So what? When we're talking about go somewhere and compete, Joe Burrow uh, immediately eligible is not going to be able to just walk in and and have the the starting job placed upon his neck like it's a lay and he's getting off the plane at Hawaii like this is this is going to be uh, an interesting calculus for him to have as he looks at let's see we've got uh Bruce Feldman of Sports Illustrated reported visits of LSU and Cincinnati uh Florida has been thrown out there though I haven't gotten and I was hoping that you could help fill me in here I haven't gotten really firm vibes that uh florida is anything more than just open to the idea of any quarterback like maybe this wasn't uh as much of a specific tie as much as you're looking at florida as an open quarterback situation and dan mullen as someone who would be potentially interested in having somebody come fill that starter job at least until um, you know, Emory Jones comes along. Let's see, where else have we got? They mentioned Nebraska because Joe Burrow's father played for Nebraska. As you're sort of weighing the odds and looking at the picture of what Joe Burrow's future looks like, uh, how do you see this playing out? Well, it's, I mean, I, I think there's been a lot of media speculation about all kinds of different schools. I mean, I think Florida is, is, is sort of the the popular one that, that – a lot of media folks are like, yeah, he should go to Florida. And I was one of them. I mean, I've, 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 uh, there's a video of me saying, Hey, I think, you know, if, oh, if, we're looking at the, if we're looking at the landscape, Florida makes the most sense. Right. And yet I don't know that, I mean, I don't know there's ever been confirmation that Florida has, has reached out or that there's any sort of mutual interest at all. Um, I mean, you mentioned Nebraska, like that's, that was another one that just sort of made, made, since uh with his with a lot of family ties there and and uh you know their need for a quarterback and a new system all that stuff but they seem pretty content with the guys they've got iowa state was one that you know he that was where he almost ended up coming out of high school uh but zeb nolan's not all that bad there so like i think if right now as we sit here today on on 
Wednesday, it's it seems like it's pretty much a two team race with uh, with just LSU and Cincinnati, and Cincinnati is one of those schools that. I mean, this is the way it always goes, isn't it? Like, remember when Blake Barnett left uh, Alabama, and and you thought there'd be this sort of run on Blake Barnett, and and all you know what? Oh man, he's got the you know he's got the pick of the litter around college football. Where he was the go? number he's, one elite eleven quarterback, right? Like, yeah, he, yeah, he, he was, was, and he beat. I mean, hey, he was the Alabama starter. You know, he had one bad game, but he started the year as, as you know as their starter, won that battle. Um, very talented kid, and could have. I mean, and, and was and was looking like he was going to be immediately eligible, which he which ended up being. And he goes to Arizona State, which was like such a random, weird pick because they had a loaded quarterback room. They had a returning starter in Manny Wilkins. So, like this thing, and my point is, this thing never goes quite like you know the us media folks sort of prognosticate based on just sort of the outside looking in. I mean, Joe Burrow, it looks like right now is leaning towards Cincinnati, which is. Much less the, uh, you know, you're not going to play on quite the same stage as a as a Florida or an LSU, but hey, that's his, hey, it's it's also in state, it's also you know he's from Athens, Ohio. He's he, you know he's his dad coaches at the University of Ohio. Um, it's it's probably somewhere even though they, they they've got I guess Hayden Moore over there, right? I mean, it, though he he probably walks in and wins that job and is a starter, and again, like I said, go somewhere you can play. Uh, I just think, uh, you know, you go somewhere as like a mercenary at like LSU, hey, maybe there's not quite the same level of commitment to you as there is at, say, maybe Cincinnati where Luke Fickle's there who knows you from Ohio State. Right. There's a relationship already built. Like, right. You know, I just think there's a lot more actual human, emotional, uh, like, attachment to these decisions than just sort of a black and white what's the depth chart you know what's the what's the opportunity what who's who are the players around me like uh it's it seems like cincinnati's got a pretty good chance of winning this out I've, i would go to cincinnati if i was uh joe burrow and and it was so, like like first of all I, you mentioned it so i was like luke fickle of course you you're telling me that uh a prominent staff member from when you committed to this university it isn't going to have potentially a leg up on the recruiting than Ed Ogeron and his reshuffled and aging offensive staff. Like you're going to say right. that, uh, think about, uh, think about if you're a quarterback, the, the style of play in the American athletic conference, you're going to get a lot of reps, boy, you're going to get a lot of time on the field. You're, you're going to get to throw a lot of balls. And, and if, you know, if Cincinnati's, well, I haven't like specifically looked at Cincinnati's group of wide receivers, but they've never been not uh, speedy, talented, athletic, and had the potential to be able to go out there and put up big numbers. Like I, sure. I, I, I absolutely think that if you're trying to think about your long-term success as a football player individually, Cincinnati is a much better place uh, to increase your odds of playing professionally than going down to to Baton Rouge right now, and it no. I, I can't t- I can't tell that to an LSU fan who right now thinks that Joe Burrow is going to come and save the Tigers' offense. Now I'll 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 also say this: I watched. Don't ask me why I watched this game, but I did. I watched just about every snap of of Austin P versus Cincinnati last year, early in the season. It was a close game; like Austin P almost won. Um, and I remember part of the reason Austin P hung around. Cincinnati had a ton of drops. I didn't watch a lot of Cincinnati last year, but the little I did watch them, those dudes had some trouble catching the football. So uh, hopefully they got that fixed. But, but here's the it, it, here here's the uh, the devil's advocate there to your Cincinnati pitch. Because all right, all right, let's let's just maybe maybe their receiving core is is decent. Um, but think about like all we've been hearing from LSU is this is the year of the receiver. We just, we got to feature our receivers. We have such a talented receiver group. Got to figure out a way to get those guys the football. You know, you come down there and if you win that job, they, they, they seem very determined to, to make this a pass friendly offense. Um, 
And and yet, you know, hey, it's, there has been a little bit of a curse at the quarterback position in, in Baton Rouge. So, um, but so I, I you know, I, I, you know, where you stand on that? Because my, my, like, I'm I'm sort of with you. Like, I think the the feel of coming in there as a as a Midwest kid. Look, Danny Etling wasn't wasn't all that appreciated, and, and you know he's an Indiana guy. He comes down there and and uh, is is beaten up for a couple years and and blamed for a lot, and then gets drafted by the Patriots in the sixth round. You know, so is is there going to be a little bit of Joe Burrow coming Midwest kid coming down there and uh, trying to help out, and then you know if, if it's just another LSU underachieving offense, then uh, you know what what have you really accomplished? So so I. I guess I'm, I'm as I talk through it, I like the Cincinnati angle as well. But is that does that change your your opinion at all? Just thinking about the 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 contrast in talent around you, uh, it it at least makes me pause to you know consider my confidence in Cincinnati having having obviously meshed together like four years of Cincinnati American Athletic Conference highlights. And it should be mentioned that Cincinnati was not the team that was. Uh, wide open, putting up points, uh, it really impressive last season as as they had been uh, a few years before that. But some of those teams uh, bring me to the ultimate point here: the curse of Gunner Keel. Gunner Keel, Notre Dame, after ditching LSU, Les Miles said he didn't have the chest to be able to play for the Tigers. He winds up at Cincinnati, so we've got Joe Burrow. Midwest kid goes to Ohio State. LSU thinks he's going to come, and then when he doesn't, they're going to say he doesn't have the chest for it. That's a great call. <laughs> that is a great call. All yes, all the characters are involved here. Cincinnati, LSU. We just need Notre Dame in there too, because I, remember, I, I think Ohio Gunner State Keel's, plays the Notre Dame, and you know, if we want to really spin this forward, Urban Meyer is the Notre Dame sleeper cell that is awaiting awaiting to be awoken. That's right. That's right. Um, so I did think like in, uh, on this topic, um, did you see LSU offensive coordinator Steve Insminger's, um, tweet yesterday? He knows uh, how to about... use Twitter. <laughs> he does. He does. This is me. So it, it was great. Like, uh, Ross Dillinger, who does a great job with the advocate. I think he's going to SI.com next, but he's, um, he's, uh, you know, he's covered the LSU beat and he, uh, he did a great job on this, but he, um, he tweeted a screenshot of like one of these aggregate stories of Greg McElroy saying with a quote, looking for LSU, like would love to see LSU have a quarterback in my lifetime was the Greg McElroy tweet. And then on the same day, like a 30 minutes later, Steve Insminger tweets out a, uh, a graphic saying LSU is the only SEC school to have seven quarterbacks drafted in the last 20 years. And and the quarterbacks are uh, Josh Booty, Rohan Davey, Matt Mock, uh, Jamarcus Russell, Matt Flynn, Zach Mettenberger, Danny Etling, and it's like and 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 and, and he like contrasts those two, and it was a great point like I, that I my the the point that I took from it was look they've had quarterbacks, it's just the offense that's been the problem like the the way they've used those quarterbacks. Those guys have been talented enough, um, and yet then you like I look at the responses to the Steve Insmeyer tweet, and it's like a bunch of LSU fans being like, "Oh, bad examples, coach. None of those guys panned out." Uh, you know, oh, this is even I'm an LSU fan. Even this is embarrassing. Like they don't get it, man. Like those guys got paid. Those guys all got. You know, I don't know if Edling's gonna ever get to get a million dollar, you know, payday, but. Most of these guys cast a few checks in the NFL. That should be enough for them to get the job done at LSU. So, uh, you know, again, it's it's like, hey, there's there's been quarterbacks that can play at LSU. They just haven't they haven't featured them in a way that's been effective. And I, I think that's a leap of faith for Joe Burrow to think, hey, I could come down to LSU and now they're going to start using the quarterback more effectively. The flip side of that is, hey, if I go down to LSU, I'm going to play SEC football. NFL is going to watch me. I'll probably get drafted. 
So it, that, that's another one you could sort of look at on uh, uh, two different ways. Um, Zach Mettenberger also uh, was really good. Like that, that's another interesting part of the you know discussion is because uh, Zach Mettenberger won 19 games in two seasons as a starter through for 2,500 yards in both years, 2012 and 2013. But because the the way that you're measured at LSU is always going to be against uh, you know Alabama and whether or not you get to the SEC championship game, you know we're sitting here five six years separated from that time, and it's it's gotten lumped in with other quarterback play that was not nearly as productive. But because these LSU teams have always been in that nine and three, ten and three type range, he that literally like some of the best quarterback play. Of the 21st century, I don't know if that's right, uh, of the last decade, some of the best quarterback play of the last decade at LSU just kind of gets lumped in with everything else. Even though statistically it was great, but because you're just dealing with that really, really tough judgment of did you or did you not win the SEC West? Well, Zach Mettenberger also was throwing to like Jarvis Landry, Jarvis Odell, Landry Beckham. And Odell Beckham. You know, that, that it was like it was a. You look back at the history of LSU's offense, and they, like, it's there. There was a little bit of a spike in that Mettenberger era, uh, passing Jer- the football. Jeremy Hill was there too. I mean, it was an awesome offense. Yeah, but there was a slight spike in the in in like passing yardage in that little little range. And man, like, what if you if you got an NFL quarterback? Guys that are going to go on to be the best wide receivers in the in the NFL, uh, an NFL running back. Like, what else do you need to to create an explosive offense? And and I and Les Miles to me, like when people defend Les Miles and his firing, um, you know that was to me that that's that's the biggest indictment of of all is that you have, you know. Zach Bettenberger at quarterback, Lel Collins as your left tackle, uh, Odell Beckham as your wide receiver, Jarvis Landry as your wide receiver, you know Jeremy Hill as your running back. You just just like Alfred Blue as your backup running back, like and that and you all you get is a little spike offensively every like every year their offense has looked whether doesn't matter who the coordinator is whether it's uh, Greg Stadraw Greg Stadraw whether whether it's Cam Cameron. Um, you know whether it's uh, who was you know Gary Crowton like the offense always looked the same yeah and it was just less miles with this heavy hand on it just sort of doing this let's pound the rock pound the rock stuff as as college football passes them by and, and despite all that talent they have so you know we'll see if uh, if if uh, they can you know if Steve Insminger's the guy this year all right uh, two more sort of big tentpole pieces of business I want to make sure we get to uh, in a little bit. Just taking a look at not only Joe Burrow, but some more important grad transfers who will have an impact. But before uh, we get to those other grad transfers, there's also the topic of the the grad transfer quarterback in general, because we've had a lot of examples of this, particularly recently, where uh, I think that Russell Wilson is what everyone is striving for. Russell Wilson is the the pie in the sky situation. And I think, and I wanted to pitch this to you, I think that because of Russell Wilson's success, there is uh, a, something that you can sell to fans. It's like, uh, you know, I, I call the the NFL draft hope trafficking. You know, it's it's the one place where you can just sell all 32 fan bases on the idea that uh, this could be where things turn around for you. And as important as the quarterback position is, you can sell to a fan base. And not that coaches do this as much as it's just the you know the college football world in general. But fans get really really excited about graduate transfers being the answer. And maybe it's just because. I was there when Joe Daly came from Nebraska to North Carolina. He couldn't cut it at a, as a quarterback at Nebraska, but he showed up, and Carolina fans were like, oh, boy, Joe Daly's about to turn things around here in Chapel Hill. Like Maybe it was because of what we've seen recently with uh, 
you know, like a, an Everett Golson or uh, a Brandon Harris. But I, I tend to think that in general, a transfer quarterback, graduate transfer quarterback is fool's gold. Do you believe that? You know, I, th- I think, yeah, I think they rarely live up to the hype. I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, I think let's, like, let's get on the record first on this. Like, I think Joe Burrow is going to be a, like a quality grad transfer. He's going to be a, wherever he goes, whether it's Cincinnati, LSU, or somewhere else, he will be a starter and a quality starter at that. Um, they will be better because of him. Like, I'm not saying he's going to go and be a Heisman candidate. I, I just think he is going to be a really good starter, a really good improvement for, for somebody. Um, and, and I think that's, that, is, that is sort of as much as – not as much as you can ask, but as much as you can realistically hope for. And if, it, if, you know, if a grad transfer exceeds that at the quarterback position, then great. Um, but, like, I, I, I want to also say, like, I was – like, there was Malik Zaire hype last year. Like, there was – he had, like, five different announcements. He had, like, a video announcement. He had, like, a graphic announcement. There, like, Bruce Feldman broke the story. Tim Tebow was, was on board. Again. Tim Tebow <laughs> came on this podcast, and Tim Tebow was like, "Man, I I re- I like Malik. I think I think he's gonna I think he's gonna win the job." That's right. And and hey, and uh, though I will, I will give Tebow credit, he also said they liked the Jake Fromm kid in Georgia. So uh, that was we'll we'll, we'll give him we'll give right. him give him Fair. that one as well. Fair, but but I was I was so I want to um I want to give my my burrow hype a little credibility because I was not on the Zaire train. I was like a heavily, heavily anti Malik Zaire hype and, and it didn't pan out and I don't know why anyone would have expected it to. And I think probably a lot of people on the surface, it's hard to expect Joe Burrow pans out because he hadn't really ever played, you know, we're bait. What are we basing it on his, uh, we're basing the, the burrow hype on a couple spring games basically. And high school, you know, productivity and 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 profile and the fact that he's you know was very well could have beaten out Dwayne Haskins for the starting job um so there's some projection here for Joe Burrow I don't think Russell Wilson's is is coming to town but I think that uh, I I do think he is a good you know he's he's the real deal um so with that said though uh you know, I think it's probably worth going through the, the list of, of who some of the, the other grad transfer uh, hype train guys have been and, and kind of how they've how they've done. All right. Jake Coker. Success. Do you remember the hype for Jake Coker? Do you remember that hype when when uh, when when Jimbo Fisher said like that? He what you know, that that at one point, Jacob Coker, you know, almost beat out Jameis Winston for the starting job or something like that. Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> like he, that dude got a little hype now. He Big, was strong arm kid, <clears throat> you know, like, like NFL arm, all this stuff. He was sitting at, uh, he was sitting in the stands or on the sideline at the Alabama spring game before he came in and won that job. And uh, like he was waiting to finish up, graduate from Florida State so that he would be able to uh, come to Alabama. But uh, he didn't even win the starting job the first year, though. Yeah, that was um, Blake, Blake Sims. Sims right? Yeah. yeah. Um, now, to be fair, it- he did win a title. Blake Sims did not win a title. Blake Sims got to the college football playoff. Uh, they lost to Ohio State in the semifinals. Jake Coker as the starter in 15. Uh, they have that epic game in 15 against Clemson, the one that Alabama won. So he's got a ring. So, you know, credit credit to Jake Coker. If your job was to to come in and, uh, and you know, lead Alabama to the promised land, you came in as a graduate transfer, you were a backup for a year, but when you finally got your number called – 3,000 passing yards and a, a national championship. So uh, it was the hype, I guess, paid off, but it was a delay payoff. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it, it paid off in the sense you won a national championship, but that dude was the ultimate bus driver. I mean, he was <laughs> like, 
he was just he was just riding the bus up front, making sure nobody jumped out the window. Like he's just getting you from point A to point B. Do you like? Do you realize who their other quarterbacks on that roster were? Cooper Bateman and Alec Morris. Like, how does Alabama do this sometimes? Where they get these quarterbacks that are just zeros. Um, that's like, I do think ultimately that was a a pretty important get, though having him because I I I'm not convinced. Like, I I, I think that team would have had a chance to win a national title with just about anybody playing quarterback. Well, that was also at the end of the season where Derrick Henry was carrying the ball 45 times a game. <laughs> right. Remember, like, that, was, right. that was like the very end of that season. They had gotten to that point, and it was like Nick Saban had realized they'd won all the you know most important and toughest games that they were going to play. And he was like, all right, you know, we're, we're, we're going to totally limit mistakes. We're just going to hand the ball to Derrick Henry and let him run into – the butts of the offensive linemen and, and get four yards a carry and 45 carries per game. Well, because that defense was so good. So like good. all you had to do is just, you know, I mean, that was, that was one of the best defenses I've ever seen. And so, but yeah, like, do you think, do you think that Alabama wins a 2015 national title with Cooper Bateman at quarterback? No, I don't. Uh, I, I don't think so either. I'm not ruling it out, but I don't think so. So yes, uh, that uh, in, in a way Coker sort of backed into the hype. Yeah. As as a uh, as a world class bus driver, so he was the um, he was another beneficiary. Uh, like he he probably wanted to show off that big arm, and Lane Kiffin probably wanted to unleash all hell offensively. And at the end of that, at the end of that season, Nick Saban was just like, uh, uh-uh. uh, hell no, we're shutting <laughs> it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Show that big arm off, handed it off to that big guy behind you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was a, it was that was one of the ugliest SEC championship games I've ever seen. The one with Florida where it wasn't like there have been there were two against Florida, and that was the one where it wasn't close, but the score was close. Right, right. And just like uh <laughs> um all right, let's let's go to the next one on the list. Vernon Adams, Eastern Washington. Uh he got a couple pelts on the wall. Um, when he was at Eastern Washington, right? I remember I mean, him. I remember him at Eastern Washington, either beating w- a couple FBS teams. Uh, so when he was coming in, there was already uh, not only the the wild statistics that you got from playing at Eastern Washington. Is that Bo Baldwin, your boy? Was he there then? Uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And so he comes in, and you're just like, oh man. Wide open offense, uh, really good trigger man. He's he's coming in. Mark Helfrich, he's just lost Marcus Mariota. This 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 is going to be easy, baby. Mariota part two, Vernon Adams plug and play. But this thing started to go south from the very beginning because do you remember us being on like Vernon Adams math exam watch? <laughs> now that you mention it, yeah. Oh my gosh, we were sitting around waiting for test scores like it's me in the second semester of my junior year, just sweating. What's the eligibility gonna be? What's it gonna there's, be? There's also some weird stuff like he like he couldn't work out at Oregon, but like his Eastern Washington wasn't letting him work out there either. Like he was just he was like a man without a team. He had, he had left. The, the football team, but hadn't yet qualified to, to be a grad transfer. And so he was just this guy, like, just sort of floating out there um, without a squad. It was it was a weird deal. It was a very weird – and, like, so I think he wanted to get there in time for spring. He hadn't qualified. So then it became a summer situation. And then we were right up against the deadline for registration for fall classes and showing up at fall camp. So in a way, I do want to be able to offer to Vernon Adams an understanding that what could have been a uh, more smooth and prolonged immersion into the Oregon offense and into the Oregon football culture was delayed. um, And I'm, I'm never going to get those hours back sitting around waiting for uh, a tweet about a test score. Um, <laughs> so I went up to that, that uh, let's see, the, 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 the fall before, like Vernon Adams junior year or whatever, I went up, I visited an NFL team to sort of, they, they, 
asked me to come up to kind of help them do some background on make sure they weren't missing guys through the cracks as they were going through their their uh, you know draft prep personnel prep for that year. And they and and a guy in that office was like on Vernon Adams watch to see if he was going to come out to the NFL that year. Like loved him, thought he was like a big time like maybe a, a, a real deal NFL prospect. Look, I had to sort of pretend like I knew who Vernon Adams was, but I hadn't watched much of him. So when he come, came to Oregon, I had this, I had pretty high expectations for him, not realizing the guy, like he's a, like, I don't know who, I don't know why he was like, he's five eleven, if that. Yeah. He's a stumpy and, and man. He, yeah. Like he wasn't, and it never, like nothing about his game necessarily looked super like, I don't know. He, there was something weird about his game, but he comes in, so he isn't. And and to your point, like he didn't have the spring, he didn't have the the to, to get adjusted. Um, and he comes in, and it wasn't it wasn't just the same old Oregon. It wasn't like this perfect, easy clicking that we were used to seeing um, from a team that played in the national championship the year before. Uh, but we, you know, and, and I sort of had that expectation that they would, you know, probably incorrectly, they wouldn't drop off much. Um, but it did, I mean, it took them some time. They, they started a year like three and three. And I think, you know, he had some injuries, didn't he, early in the season? Um, he ended up starting know. 10 games uh, okay. throughout the year. So yeah, and, he he was a little bit he was a little bit banged. I, oh yeah, and I, I feel like he was, I feel like he was always banged up. Like yes. he was always like on the like on injury watch. Yes. You know, like and and then but but here's the the what I the biggest takeaway from the from the Vernon Adams era though is how important he was to that team when he wasn't in because I had money on Oregon against TCU in the Alamo Dome mm. in the Alamo Bowl. Mm. I bet. The night before that game, uh, uh, who was the who Trevon, was the really good TCU quarterback? Trevon Boykin. Trevon Boykin. Yeah, uh, gets arrested. He was going to sit out. I jump on that line quick. I, I'm I get I go pretty heavy on on Oregon, and you know first half is whatever. Like they they they're up like thirty one nothing or something the first half, and then Vernon Adams doesn't come out in the second half and play, and Oregon was just horrible. Couldn't do anything on offense. TCU makes a miraculous comeback. I was actually in San Antonio, like watching these insane TCU frat guys, like doing like knee tuck jumps, like with every touchdown, and and it was just the most, you know, demoralizing thing. As I'm watching my 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 big money play just go down the tube, uh, and 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 that's when I was like. Look, man, Vernon Adams, for all he was, like, it's a good thing they got him in this grad transfer market because this is what they would have looked like otherwise. Yeah, that was an incredible game. Were you down there for you? 47, 41, three OTs. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's that like that is I think the line. I think the line was like seven or six and a half or something like that. So it was one of those games where I kept on when they finally got to overtime. Like I, I got to the point where I was hoping for overtime so that Oregon could find a way to win by eight in overtime. Like I was hoping for like the the, the third overtime when they have to start going for two, and but it just I knew the whole way like this isn't happening. This this is not going to work out. To no, no, no one does quick math in their head like someone trying to uh, face a really tricky college football cover at the end of a close game. But, okay, <laughs> so if brutal. we get to overtime and we get to the third overtime and the two point conversion is successful, we're good. If you're ever if you're ever rooting for three overtimes, man, you're in bad shape. Hang it up. Um, all right, so this was a another one um, that was more recent. So Davis Webb was at Texas Tech, and so he goes and he links up with Sonny Dykes. I guess 2016, that would have been Sonny Dykes last year. He came in like the the Vernon Adams to Marcus Mariota situation. Uh, Cal and Sonny Dykes had just lost Jared Goff. Uh, he had gone on to be selected by the Rams. Uh, he steps in, and Davis Webb, now let's say uh, for him individually, like he was he had lost, he was not going to be able to be out, beat out Patrick Mahomes for the job. But, you know, he has gone on to get selected by the New York Giants <laughs> to like to the point of he played a little bit for the Giants last year, I think. 
and uh, after Eli got hurt. So I, I'm I'm looking at Davis Webb and, and saying you know individually, yes, like he he had a, a pretty good college career and he is he has panned out. But I don't know if I feel comfortable calling his very productive but ultimately five and seven campaign at Cal uh, a super success. <laughs> well, I guess, but but I think in all these you have to look at what it would have been otherwise. Um, I mean, Davis Webb, I don't know what what did they have behind him. I mean, I I gotta think if they're five and seven with Davis Webb, it would have been a lot uglier without him. Um, he was, I mean, Davis Webb was pretty good in college, uh, and and I tell you what, like that's it's pretty remark. Like, keep keep in mind, Davis Webb, Patrick Mahomes, and Baker Mayfield were all in the same quarterback room yep. at Texas Tech. Like if that in a, a a endorsement of Cliff Kingsbury, I don't know what is. Like that's just the fact that they that he recruited all those guys and saw it because every one of them was a three star level kid. Um, I mean, you know, high three stars and good players. Not you know they weren't he didn't find just total bums and turn them into studs, but he saw it where other people clearly didn't. Um, and that's that's pretty that's pretty remarkable. But but yeah, you know, it's not a. I think the Davis Webb grad transfer was a. I think Cal fans are probably happy with that trip. They're 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 glad he took him, and isn't that all, sort of what it's all about? Like glad they got him. Yeah. Like, no Florida fans like man, glad we got Malik Zaire last year. Yeah. They're sitting there like, well, man, we could have what what a we could have spent all that time developing Felipe Franks. Chase Forrest would have been the option. Hey, he's still on that roster, I think. <laughs> yeah, he's a senior this year. Yeah. I was I just so, I just put hey, but this is funny though because you know what's the option behind him? Uh I pulled up the 2016 Cal passing statistics. Davis Webb is the only quarterback listed because the only other pass that was thrown outside of some outside of a pass thrown by Davis Webb was thrown by the punter Dylan Klumpf on what I can only guess was a fake punt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they gave him a workload. Yeah, they yeah. said they're like no, nah, we're like down by 50 up by 50 doesn't matter we're yeah. keeping you in there davis keep keep slinging yeah. that rock no yeah no surprise uh he was a 4300 yard passer uh averaging 51 pass attempts per game <laughs> that's when if you're bad if you just throw for a bunch of yards like it just takes a little bit of the of, of the uh the sting out of how bad you are. Like the fans at least can go watch people like run up and down the field all game. That's true. Uh, all right. So how about from that to uh, an Oklahoma quarterback who had a ton, uh, an Oklahoma quarterback who had a ton of hype shows up at Texas A&M Trevor Knight uh, did not throw for a whole bunch of yards, uh, less than 2,500 passing yards, about a 53% completion percentage. There were games where I looked at Trevor Knight and I was like, "Oh man, you know he's uh, he he's able to provide he's a, he's got some 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 of that playmaker and ability because his highlight reel has always come from uh, the Alabama game, uh, beating them in the Sugar Bowl. So you you almost your brain wanted to make that next leap that he was going to be able to have some of that same gamer uh, playmaking ability, particularly coming in with K- Kevin Sumlin." Ultimately, do you grade the the Trevor Knight experience at Texas A and M as a success or failure? This is a tough one for me, and and um, like to full disclosure here, we're sort of we're, we're using a uh, a twenty four seven sports story by Trey Scott as kind of a guide. And I I had a little argument with Trey Scott about this when he was putting this together. Like in my mind's eye, as I look back, like I don't think of Trevor Knight as a as a guy that matched any sort of hype. Like I don't. He wasn't some game changer at quarterback. I felt like he was just sort of a, you know, just a guy plugging a hole. But I, I mean, I don't know. Like maybe he was. I got what, the thing about Trevor Knight is he was a much better dual threat guy than I think I realized he could or would be. You know, he rushed for almost 650 yards. He was like a him and uh, uh, was it uh, was it Travion Williams? Um, their their little running back uh, who I'm blanking on. You know they was that Travion Williams' had, freshman year, I guess. Yeah, it was, he's a freshman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they had a great sort of one-two punch. He was sort of the power to that, to, to 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 Williams's uh, uh, 
you know, he was the thunder to the lightning almost, like just sort of that downhill guy. Um, but I don't know. Like they still finished eight and five. That's just sort of what Kevin Sumlin was. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. Like I have a hard time calling him. I think he was – I'd be curious what Texas A&M fans think of him, like how they remember Trevor Knight, probably fondly. They're probably, they're probably good with Trevor Knight. He probably gets a free drink every once in a while in College Station. I don't know if they recognize. I think Trevor Knight looks like everybody in College Station. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part of it. He's one of. The, I think he fit in well. You know? yeah, yeah, one yeah. of them. He's like, is that is? Hey, hey, man, is that is that Trevor Knight? It's like, oh no, nah, that's uh, that's Claude. His dad owns the oil business down the street. <laughs> right. uh, that, that was and and so Trevor Knight, like he beat out, I guess, Jake Kubinek. Right. And then, you know, Nick Starkle would have been like a freshman. And I guess that's it. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think I think if Jake Kubinek had played, like, I, I don't know. Maybe they would have scrapped out eight wins anyways. I, I just, I don't know. I I think this is sort of a push. I'll, I'll give Trey credit uh, for this. Uh, I'll give Trey, Trey credit for a lot. He's awesome. But he pointed out correctly that Texas A&M in that season with Trevor Knight was number four in the first college football playoff rankings of the season. So <laughs> we, do they, is that, does that count for anything? I'm just is saying that, just that sort of Texas A&M under but, Kevin but that's Sumlin, what I'm saying. Like if we're it. talking about value added or value taken away, he at least followed the script. You know, he read his lines. Right. Like he's right. He, the, you can only do so much with, with what you're given. And he, he played the part perfectly. So, you know, just, yep. yep. Just good, good job to him. Uh, I don't want to get into all the the ones that have uh, not necessarily worked out as well. Do, are there any in particular that stand out to you as cautionary tales? Uh, I don't know about cautionary tale, but I do remember like Jeremiah Masoli coming from Oregon to Ole Miss. I remember feeling like he was going to be pretty good at Ole Miss, and he he just sort of. I mean, don't you remember Jeremiah Masoli being pretty dang good at Oregon? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, because that was the the that was waking up to the Oregon. That was, I mean, that's was it Chip Kelly's first quarterback as a head coach. Yeah, it, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean that was that was kind of what me, uh, you know, right there, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, kind of waking up to the the beast that had been building. Um, out there in Eugene, and so I was I was a huge Jeremiah Masoli fan because what was it is the epic? Uh, I forgot which bowl it was. I guess it would be the Rose Bowl. Was it Ohio State and Oregon? Um, after the 2009 season where Masoli was out there, I guess. Uh, so it would have been, yeah, Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, um, and, and Ohio State won. Yeah, but it was a fantastic game. I. Uh, I'll uh I I remember thinking that it was going to be really exciting, but I also don't remember having Ole Miss on my radar to even be that relevant at that point. Yeah, they went four and eight that year. He had fourteen touchdowns and thirteen interceptions, five hundred forty-four rushing yards. Nothing happened there. No, he and, and like and think about that in two two thousand ten the the NFL talent that you're running into in the SEC West at Alabama and LSU is stupid. Yeah. Yeah, Jeremiah. I can't. I, I would need a refresher on why Jeremiah felt like he needed to to, to leave Oregon because it it seems like that was a that probably was a pretty good spot for him. Uh, oh, it was a, he had a, he, yeah. He had a um, he was suspended for the season because he, he had a, a, a burglary charge. He That's got right. kicked off the team. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, go get go get your Jeremiah. Yeah, do what you got to do, man. Um, let's see. Uh, another one that was mentioned in here. I mean, Grayson Lambert. Sure. What was, what was great? Grayson Lambert, the most Virginia name ever was only allowed to go to a place where his name would fit in. And Georgia is one of those places. Georgia. Yeah. They, they will welcome a Grayson Lambert. In Gra- Grayson Lambert. Uh, Jake Rudock, Iowa to Michigan. This one's particularly interesting to me because, uh, it factors into, the the waiver process like Jake Rudock right now is being mentioned um, as as part of the the general you know graduate transfer uh, you know waiver conference to conference type um, rulings Jake Rudock 
left Iowa with his graduate degree, had to apply for a special waiver, shows up at Michigan, and uh, I mean, wasn't terrible, you know? I mean, it that goes back to the larger discussion that we've had about not feeling like we've been blown away by the quarterback play at Michigan since Jim Harbaugh arrived, but Jake Rudock won no, 10 no. games. No, but Jake Rudock, he is part of like the he is a, a an ad value add to like Jim Harbaugh's quarterback whisperer mystique. Ooh. Like that he was part of that narrative because he was at Iowa he was just he was just okay. And then he goes to Michigan, he improves across the board and he gets drafted in the sixth round. Everyone's like, Harbaugh just got Jake Rudock drafted, everybody. <laughs> like Harbaugh turned, you know, Colin Kaepernick into a Super Bowl quarterback and, you know, got Josh Johnson drafted out of San Diego and is is Andrew Luck and is and now he just got Jake Rudolph drafted. And everyone's like, Man, Harbaugh, quarterback whisperer, like this is real. And so I think that was when like at the at the height of the Harbaugh QB whisperer stuff. The, and since then we've had, we've had a couple Wilton Spate years to sort of bring us back down to earth. <laughs> yes, we have. Um, all right. You have combed through the list of the graduate transfers that we have for this year. Um, where uh, can, can I just throw some names at you? Or how do you want to play yeah. this? Yeah. I mean, let's just roll through it, I guess. Yeah. Th- you can throw some names at me. We'll just sort of, I mean, this is, we can, uh, we don't have to spend any extended amount of time on, on any of these guys, but I think that there are, because look, there's a, there's grad transfers everywhere and a lot of them don't really matter. You know, like, you know, I saw like Jay Hayes going from Notre Dame to Georgia. Um, that was a big name. He was a four-star guy coming out of high school, but he had, he didn't really do much in Notre Dame and he's going to be nothing more than a, a one-year depth guy at Georgia, like it doesn't really matter. It's great for Georgia to get a little, yeah, get another body in the fold, but he's not going to help Georgia win any games. Like I, th- I think, but so I tried to find a few guys that will actually help uh, some teams win some football games next year. Uh well then let's start with your one of your favorite quarterbacks, Keller Christ. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I don't know. What do you? All right. Just like. Flash decision, and I'm going to ask you this question right now. Take yourself back to uh, November of 2017, okay? Better quarterback, Keller Chris, Jarek Guarantano. Oh, November 2017, Guarantano. Yeah. Really? Okay, yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I think it's up. Like, it's 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 debatable. Um, and so I, I, I don't know that Keller Chris is going to come in and win the job at Tennessee, but. I do think they don't have much behind Guarantano, a quarterback right now. He's going to bring depth. He's going to, you know, he could win that starting job. And at the very least, I think he makes that quarterback room better and probably makes Jared Guarantano better. So uh, I think he is, I think he's a valuable pickup for Tennessee. And I think their running back, Madre London, which he got from Michigan State, is a pretty valuable pickup for Tennessee. Again, don't know if he's going to start. But when you're talking about a team that's trying to, sort of reinstitute a physical run game, a downhill, big back type of system. Madre London comes from that at Michigan State. He he's a little bit more in that mold than than some of the other guys on the roster currently. So I, I think that I think that Tennessee's gonna be better off for having him. The uh also in the SEC, uh, you know, we were talking about intra conference transfers. Nick Harvey gets the waiver to be a graduate transfer, leaving Texas A and M. He will be arriving at South Carolina. Am I am I remembering Nick Harvey as a like decently highly recruited talent? Yeah, he was a four star guy. He started twenty seventeen or uh twenty sixteen. Um I mean that's a guy that probably comes in and is you know, can compete for a starting job. You know, they just lost a couple guys in the NFL uh, or, or to, to graduation at South Carolina. Um, you know, I, I just I think that's a guy you'll see in at the very least in sub packages. Like I, I I'll need to look at their depth chart to figure out exactly what you know. But he's he's a quality transfer, I think, and so um, that's one that I you know for a South Carolina team that's that's you know you got to scrape and claw for everything in the SEC East. Not not to say it's some 
brutal conference, but I think or division, but I think that those teams are all very close. You know, every every game is losable, every game is winnable. So those sort of little additions, I think, can 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 help South Carolina. Um, let's see another big name. This one uh, I remember much more coming out of high school, and then always was a was an interesting one as as we would look at uh, the Trojans heading into the season. Uh, Kenny Bigelow, USC to West Virginia. We've we've briefly touched on West Virginia. I think they're one of the most fascinating teams in the Big Twelve. Just to see how this goes, because the the potential seems high and. Uh, it doesn't seem like the floor is that low, but you know if it's just a ho hum eight and four season, then uh, it would it, it is it will be easy for it to be forgotten. Do you think that Kenny Bigelow is going to be able to find uh, some juice or a second life, or you know what what's the expectation for him uh, as he arrives in Morgantown? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, this is more of an interesting name than than necessarily a, someone that I think is is a definite impact guy. I remember, he he was he had retired from football. At USC, and I think you know, and and he he went to high school in that sort of West Virginia, Delaware area. Um, I think he's maybe he wants to get back to this this side of the country. But e- either way, I wouldn't expect some huge impact from him as much as I'm just sort of curious to see whether he can finally put it together because he was talented coming out of high school. Never saw it at USC. Always dealt with injuries. I, I think the bigger loss for USC is Roy Hemsley, who's going to, to Arizona State. Uh, again, not necessarily that Roy Hemsley would have started on the offensive line for USC. I think he's a starter-quality kid, though. I, I remember watching him go into USC spring practice last spring, and uh, he was one of the more impressive, just sort of looking, physically moving type of guy. Basketball guy coming out of high school. I, I could really see Hemsley being someone that it clicks at, at Arizona State. Uh, you know, I, I could see him being – wouldn't shock me if that kid's an NFL draft pick, you know, that that level of, of talent. All right, what about leaving Arizona State, Blake Barnett? I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, he's uh, going to the – I mean, he's going to UCF or USF. So one thing about Blake Barnett, and then I want to get your thoughts on this too, but one thing about Blake Barnett, coming out of high school – he was, I want to say, played receiver as a sophomore, um, moved to quarterback as a junior, had outstanding testing numbers, big kid, strong arm. Oregon had him as like the top of their board. Notre Dame had him on the top of their board. It was sort of head-scratching that he went to Alabama in some ways, a Cali kid. But he was a, he was a highly sought-after kid in part because of his athleticism. And I don't think he is a... He's not a make-you-miss guy, but he's sort of in that Trevor Knight mold where, hey, if you run the the zone read and you give him a, a hole to, to get downhill in, he can run away from defenses. He's not going to make you miss, but he can run away from people. And I don't know, maybe USF's the right spot for him, but I don't know. I'm At this point, he's he's you know, he, he lost a job at Alabama. He lost a job at Arizona State. This is his third school in, what, three years? Um, so... Not, not, I'm not sure he's he's necessarily going to set the world on fire, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Can I still be a Charlie Strong fan, but also have very little faith in USF? Is it possible for me to do that? I feel like I I'm I'm, pl- I'm playing in both. I'm playing on both sides of the tracks with that. I think you're allowed to, but if this is a if this is a step back year for Charlie Strong, then 2019 better be a better be a good one because he's you know the 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 roster is about to be his and no longer Willie Taggart's. And and he's responsible for it at that point. Because we had a, a South... Because of UCF, um, and like, you know, remember when they played in that rivalry game at the end of the season, it was an awesome game, and it was back and forth. And at the end of the season, it, they were 10-2, and two, but... You know, we we watch a lot of... We watch, we watch probably too much... Uh, not too much. You can never watch too much American Athletic Conference football. It's on CBS Sports Network. You should always watch it. We watch a lot of AAC, a lot of action. And I know South Florida won 10 games, but they didn't feel like one of the 20 or 25 best teams in the country to me on the high Dude, I was, I was fading them all year at our picks. Um, I, I mean, I, I made some 
I, I hope I made some people some money on South, South Florida because that they they were my fade play for a lot of the season. Yeah, I'm and and because of that, I'm I'm just saying like Blake Barnett, like if if Blake Barnett wins the job and he trots out there uh, for week one, I'm gonna say eight and four. Yeah. I'm rooting for him, though. I, I I would love to see Blake Barnett go off this year, but I, I'm with you in that. I don't know that I'm necessarily confident that it's going to happen. Um, all right, what are what are some other names on the graduate transfer market that stick out to you as uh, potentially having a pretty big impact on their new team? So I think two of the biggest ones: Terrence Alexander, LSU needed like they remember they lost um, Pat Sertan Jr. A five-star cornerback, number one cornerback in the country. They're supposed to get him all process. They're planning on getting him. Then Alabama steals him at the end of the process. Uh, he was going to be a starter. Had he gone to LSU, he would have been a starter. They're counting on him to be a starter. They needed another starter. They got him in the transfer market. Terrence Alexander, a Louisiana native um, who was at Stanford. Man, well-played young man. Gets that Stanford degree. Grad transfers to LSU where he's from. So now he gets he gets the Stanford diploma on his wall and now he gets the LSU connections as an in-state guy. Everyone's going to love him. Have a decent year, Terrence, and and you're going to have plenty of job opportunities. So uh, more power to you there, but that's a I think he'll be a starter for LSU at corner. So that's a good one. Since uh, he uh, since he graduated from Stanford, do you think he's already earned like three master's degrees at LSU? <laughs> that was, just walking in the door that, yeah, that was an unnecessary academic that was joke oh <laughs> <low>, man <laughs> uh and then like i mean i think texas is certainly hoping calvin anderson from rice is the real deal mm. uh i mean he got a lot of hype he was he was probably the most highly recruited of any of these guys in a in the grad transfer market um so that's you know that i think they hope he's going to be their starter and and I also think Texas did a pretty good job getting Trey Watson from Cal. Again, uh, just a look. They need they need all the help they can get on offense. I think those two guys, Watson may not start. He may, but that's another that's another able body in the backfield. So uh, you know Texas, new O line coach, new O lineman, new running back. Hey, maybe this is a new year on offense for them. Maybe. Uh... I don't should I have known Calvin Anderson? I mean he he was he had some uh not I mean yes this uh, this cycle yeah I mean th- he had it was it was it was Texas it was Auburn it was Michigan uh it, it was I mean there were some big some 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 blue bloods that were chasing him. Mm. Got to love uh... and, and, and you know what I found really interesting going through this Rice lost the, this kid to Texas. They lost a kid to South Carolina. They lost a kid to Texas Tech. Uh, Rice went like they. I don't think they won a game last year. Uh, they also just uh, didn't Bailiff just get fired? Yeah, but yeah. still. But I'm saying so. Mike Bloomgram steps into a, a a Rice team that went that won one game all year last year, and and yet has three had. Is losing three uh, SEC or Pac-12 or uh, Big 12 level players. I mean, maybe those guys aren't Big 12 or SEC level guys. Maybe they maybe they're not going to play it down at these other schools. But that seems a little rough to walk into a one uh, you know a one win team and getting poached by three of your three of your decent players to the to the SEC and the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, at least those guys stuck around long enough to get a invitation to Sydney, see the world, baby. That's right, and they got stuck over there because that was right in the middle of the uh, the hurt the uh, floods in yeah. Houston. So they went to Sydney. They came back. I think they had to stay in L.A. for like a week or something. Uh, that was a that was a tough deal. That was a very tough deal. Um, yeah. All right. Any anyone else on this list before we get out of here that stands out? Let's see. Oh, Brandon t- Dawkins to Arizona, Indiana. That could be interesting at quarterback. I, I think Tabari Hines. Tabari is Hines a really is good. good wide receiver. He's good. You know? We're pretty we're a pretty wake friendly podcast here, and uh, he he did some did some damage there, and then I don't know much about this guy, but Ahmad Wagner, basketball player from Iowa, tra- grad transferring to Kentucky to play wide receiver. Um, hey, that could be that could be interesting. I'll throw uh, 
I'm, I'm not guaranteeing anything, but I'll throw Jalen McClendon on the uh, interesting list because he was an in-state guy for, here in North Carolina, played at NC State. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, was, I guess he was first behind Jacoby Brissett. Then he was behind Ryan Finley. And of course, Ryan Finley, who like came in immediately eligible with seven years of eligibility left and plans on cashing in on every one of them, apparently. Uh, Jalen McClendon transfers to Baylor. I don't know if, if that's going to end up being something, but there was a time here in North Carolina where everyone, a lot of people believed that Jalen McClendon was going to have the potential to be a successful uh, power five level quarterback. Then looking at him and his potential with the Wolfpack, I don't know what would happen at Baylor, but that kid was what was McClendon like a four star. Yeah. Well, but Jalen McClendon was, I mean, he was six, four with a strong arm. And um, I mean, he's, he's athletic. He was sort of their wildcat guy. Uh, so he could come in and sort of be the same guy there, but I don't know if he's going to unseat Charlie Brewer who sent Zach Smith packing at Baylor. Um, so it could it could almost be him. It was interesting that he ended up at Baylor because I just, I don't know, like that's another one where I don't know if he's going to come in and start. Go yeah. play. Go play somewhere. But, I, hey, maybe he beats out Charlie Brewer. Maybe what do, couch competitor voice? <laughs> Gotta <laughs> compete. Oh, compete. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's fun. All right, uh, we are going to, programming note, we'll be taking uh, – next week off we will so we will be returning to you at the beginning of june so um make sure that uh if, if you keep hitting refresh that's cool but what you can do in that time that we're not here is you can always turn your attention to cbs sports hq it is a 24-hour streaming service you can get it cbssportshq.com or through the cbs sports app on your iphone your Apple TV, your Roku, your Amazon Fire, all OTT connected devices. Uh, that would be the best way to find it. It's always on. It's the best expert analysis. It is the news and it is no filler. So make sure you watch CBSSportsHQ.com. As always, please leave us a review. If you have not already, leave us that five-star rating. We put out this content for free, but it is not uh, free to produce. So your response would go a long way for us and we would appreciate it. Um, you can follow him Barton Simmons at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, enjoy the week off. Yeah, man. Have a, have a good day, Kevin.